The Supreme Court keeps issuing opinions, the senators keep talking, and the representatives keep sitting. The news just won't stop, and we're doing our best to keep up. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of The Briefcase. Thank you guys for your awesome feedback on Twitter and Facebook, although not a plethora of good news. If we're going to do a good news show, we're all going to have to step it up finding the good news. Um, But thanks, as always, for following our show, and you can um, become a supporter on the show at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Before we move on to the plethora of news stories, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Traditionally, financial planning advice is either only for those who are already wealthy or salespeople calling themselves financial advisors who say they'll give you free financial advice but really just sell products to earn commissions. Fearless Finance takes a dramatic departure from either of those traditional models. Their entire business is built on making financial advice accessible and affordable because we know that financial literacy, stress reduction, and financial security are critical to overall well-being. I'm a little bit obsessed with Elizabeth, our Fearless Finance advisor. I've had an array of advisors in the past who answered questions like, should we be spending less on this with evasive answers like, it depends on your priorities. Not Elizabeth. She answers with actually helpful guidelines. You're spending more than the average family of five, or I'd like to see this increase by 6%. Uh, thank you. This is Fearless Finance's mission, to make advice affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge you by the hour. You only pay for the time you use down to a quarter hour. Their planners meet with you where you are on your financial journey, no judgment. Visit fearlessfinance.com today. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit, and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use the code Pantsuit. That's fearlessfinance.com and use code Pantsuit for $50 off your first planning meeting. I hope you guys don't mind to time travel back with me about a year. I was in the process of resigning myself to the idea that part of middle age for me might mean that my hair was going to slowly turn to straw and fall out of my head. Drama aside, we all know that your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. I have tried other custom beauty products and just found that they kind of make my hair worse. But ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair, yes, but beyond that too. I feel like I don't have to blow dry my hair anymore in order for it to look good because it's stronger, fuller, softer, and just looks nicer. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. My custom shampoo and conditioner, for example, were formulated to improve the smoothness and volume of my hair. And I really see, after months of using my custom formula and tweaking it with the review and refine tool for this season, that I have nice-looking hair all year long. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash pantsuit. So go get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash pantsuit. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash pantsuit. So, Sarah, as you mentioned, the Supreme Court um, has been busy. Oh, my God. Everybody's been busy. Everybody has been busy. and All the branches are busy. Do you want to start with the immigration news that we just received this morning? Yes. So, the Supreme Court came down with a tie with regards to President Obama's immigration plan, which was the acronyms are the it's DACA and DAPA? Yeah, I think that's right. D-A-C-A and D-A-P-A. 
um, which are paths to immigrations for young children brought to America and also the parents of young children. And it affected 4.5 million immigrants. And the Supreme Court, um, in a 4-4 decision, because we don't have a new Supreme Court justice for some reasons, um, <laughs> came in a deadlock. And that means that um, the immigration, that current plan is all but dead. Um, it's a sign that really one side couldn't convince the other. The court's liberal justices were trying to convince the conservatives that the states didn't have standing to even challenge the immigration law and that the program was legal. And then the conservatives were arguing that liberals, um, that the lawsuit couldn't really couldn't get them, the liberals to decide that the lawsuit was legitimate and that the program was illegal. So they tied and means pretty much it's all but dead. There's a lot of really complicated legal um, options to try again, but for now, uh, these 4.5 million people that were that were depending on a path to citizenship um, offered by Obama, it's not going to happen. It's very concerning to me that we are having partisan splits on issues as technical as standing. Now, mm. I say that without having read the opinion. You know, we just got kind of the breaking news alerts and are doing our best as we send the opening to keep up with everything that's happening. But when your Supreme Court ties on procedural issues, that that's scary to me. That's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It is concerning. And I just, you know, I have so much empathy. I, I think about the... Um, valedictorian we talked about last week who you know published her sort of undocumented status um along with all her for high school success and i think of all these kids who have grown up here and don't know any other place of being deported and it breaks my heart i agree with that i i disagree with the executive action you know we've talked Mm -hmm. about this before we we need to fix our immigration system we do not have workarounds coming from the office of the presidency. And th- this is going to be, I think, a theme of mine in this show. I think anytime you have extraordinary and unilateral action, you have to step back for a second and say, what if I disagreed with what these people are trying to do? How would I feel about this mechanism of going about it? You know, and, and that's that's my view. I completely understand President Obama's frustration. I think the American people are really frustrated with Congress's inability to come up with a workable plan on immigration. And I think we've talked about this issue enough. But if you're a new listener, you know, we are both very supportive of immigration, right? We think mm-hmm. immigration is vital to our economy, to our culture, to our national health. We think that's what America is, right? A, a a country of immigrants and that we should continue to be that way. And we shouldn't have such a nightmare um, for people trying to come into the country, but that, that needs to get fixed in Congress. Oh, speaking of Congress, do we want to move on and then go back to the Supreme court or do we want to stick with the Supreme court for a minute? Maybe we stick with the Supreme court for another quick minute because we're <laughs> so, going to get stuck so on things. Congress for a while, I think. So the Supreme court also upheld um, an affirmative action program at the university of Texas. Now this was a, for three decision because Elena Kagan um, sat out this one because she argued for the program as Solicitor General when she worked at the White House. And the Supreme, this was a, what they call a race conscious, is that what they call it? Yes. Race conscious admissions program at the University of Texas. And um, let's see, Kennedy wrote the majority. So it was Kennedy, Ginsburg, Breyer, and Sotomayor in the majority with Roberts, Thomas, and Alito dissenting. And um, it concerned sort of University of Texas admissions program. And it was like, but it was like the second layer of like the admissions or something, right? That's my understanding. This is another one that I need to sit down and study the opinion. But, you know, generally speaking, it, it feels to me like the court got this right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a woman. I don't have a problem with affirmative action <laughs> because when I was sat in transy in 2000, oh, 1999, let's just be honest, that's when I started. I mean, the the overwhelming majority of women in college at that point and earlier, I mean, were beneficial benefits of the affirmative, affirmative action programs with regards to women. So um, I know other people have problems with them, but I just don't happen to be one of them. You especially need in an educational setting, I think, a diversity of experience and perspective. Mm-hmm. And if it's being used in a in a race conscious way, but I mean, it's just not true. We're not talking about quotas. I mean, right, exactly. And it's just not true to say that we don't on some level 
take these factors into account anyway. Yeah. Being honest about that seems to me to be not a matter that the Supreme Court should have to consider. But again, I'm speaking from a little bit of a place of ignorance here. So I just my gut reaction to this is good. Moving on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We use our phones for everything at this point, but did you know that you can use it for some sexy me time? Don't worry, your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. My son Oliver is almost two. The desire for more hours in the day has never been more real for me in my life. An extra hour for reading, for sleeping, for working, for playing, I could use any of it. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and to then make it a priority. Therapy can help you figure that out, help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. Just last week, my mom actually asked me about my experience with BetterHelp after hearing ads like this one for it. And I'm telling you what I told her. BetterHelp was the perfect solution for me in a time of my life when I had too many plates to juggle, but still very much needed to talk to someone about the experience of keeping all those plates in the air. BetterHelp made therapy easy and accessible right when those were qualities I needed most. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just fill out a very brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Uh, we did get some difficult news, and I'm not sure that there is a, a good outcome. And there, there isn't a good outcome, I think, in this situation. But um, the police officer who drove the van used to transport Freddie Gray uh, just was um, exonerated. I guess exonerated is not the right word. What word am I looking for, Sarah? Acquitted. Acquitted. Thank you. I'm, it's been a tough week, you know. <laughs> um, He was acquitted of the seven charges he faced that included second degree murder. And I am certain that this is another blow for a number of people in the city of Baltimore. Well, the city of Baltimore does not have a great history of race relations on the most basic level. Also, the Freddie Gray case to me is just particularly horrific. That fact that he and this this man died and the physical state of his body was so horrendous. And there just really hasn't been a good explanation for how he got like that. There has not. And, you know, the other thing that sort of bothers me in this case is that this police officer elected under Baltimore law to have a, a judge trial instead of a jury trial. And, and that's his right. But man, what a tough thing. You know, what a tough thing if you're sitting in Baltimore to think it wasn't even a jury of his peers. I don't know. Well, and here's how I, here's sort of what I've internalized from some 
very careful consideration of everything I took in in the O.J. Made in America documentary, which is the way white people, and I'm including myself, talk about a lot of these police brutality cases from Rodney King on as, as individual cases. And we want to talk about what happened there, and we want to talk about, we want to ferret out every little detail that excuses it or explains it. And there's this refusal to treat every one of these cases as an ongoing narrative, which is how it seems to me, I'm not going to speak for black people, but it seems to me like this is what I hear a lot. Like, this isn't just Freddie Gray, and this isn't just Tamira Rice, and this isn't just Ronnie. I mean, this is an ongoing narrative. I heard ta Coates say the most amazing thing in an interview where he's like, you know, people want to talk about race relations like, Nothing ever happened before 1965. And sometimes I feel like that's what happens. Like, it's, there's just this sort of myopic view of these cases and of, um, with regards to race and regards to how, why this matters. And it's like, it's not a, it's not about just what happened in this instance. It's about that it is a huge part of the story of a community in our country that feels oppressed and abused. And this is one small piece you know, and I just think that so often that's how we talk past each other when we talk about situations like Freddie Gray and, you know, police brutality. And it's just, I don't know the solution to that except for just an awareness that even if you feel like there's some, you know, you know, you always see these memes like, well, what about this? As if it's like this aha moment that's going to just be like, oh, well, then never mind. Well, it's not really about that. <laughs> You're missing the forest for the trees. And it's so hard because... Everything that you just said is true, and we want our justice system to pick apart the individual circumstances of each Mm -hmm. matter. This police officer may very well have been perfectly, rightfully acquitted, right? And that still doesn't change the pain and the systemic failure and the awfulness and ugliness of this. Well, and and I think, though, that what we think, we, we wanted to do that, but we refuse to acknowledge that it really can't, right? It just can't. That's right. It can't do that. It can't do it just individually. Like, it's just impossible. And the sooner we realize that and either protect against it or act, I don't know what the answer to that is, but that doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't. And, I, and and how how do you get there when mm-hmm. when you have these competing goals of, on a cultural and societal level, we, we desperately need that acknowledgement and we desperately need to figure that out. But we can't manipulate our justice system. We, you know, we still want to have the presumption of innocence and we still yeah. want people, we would still rather people go free, right, than be wrongfully harmed. And and that has to be true as true about white police officers as it is about, you know, young black men who've been picked up on drug charges. So it's it's mm-hmm. just, it's hard. It's really hard. And it I, I don't know that any good news can ever come out of any of these circumstances until we figure out something that is prevention, right? Well, and I think the good news is I hope that there is increased awareness. You know, I'm going to probably quote Ta-Nehisi. I've been I've been real deep in Ta-Nehisi this week. I listened to the Playboy interview. I listened to a couple of podcasts. And in the Playboy interview, which I'll put in our show notes, which came out this week, he says, um, let me pull up the quote so I don't um, get it wrong. He did a really extensive interview with them. It was so good. And he said, If nothing ever changes, that does not relieve me of the responsibility to tell the truth as I see it. And that just like hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I'm a doer and I'm a fixer. And it's not that I think that we should absolve ourselves of the responsibility to try. But sometimes talking about it is doing something. And sometimes being aware of it and and pushing and having difficult conversations and just sitting with it. Just sitting with, this is how it is. Let that sink in. Is doing, it is, that is something. Just because it's not legislation or a judicial decision or, you know, something we can point to on paper doesn't mean that there isn't forward movement. And I think we're in a very difficult place with race in this country, but I also think that it's difficult because something is happening. And even if we can't point to something black and white that will make us all feel better doesn't mean that it's not progress. I think every single thing that you just said is the perfect segue to gun violence. Yep. Agreed. No brill, no break. I'm going to try not to chant 
this is how this is what democracy looks like because I was chanting that in my living room to myself and my computer last night. I get real psyched about civil disobedience. I'm going to try to tone it down. I can make no promises. So I have a wildly unpopular concern. I'm not going to say I'm not against what's happening. Okay, I want to put out there right now we still have representatives sitting on the floor in the House of Representatives. Uh, yeah, and can I say something about that real fast? Like, I woke up this morning, I'm like, okay, are they still there? And I started reading the news, and the news just made it sound like it was over. But it's not over. They're still there. They're still there. As, at the time of our recording, they're still yeah. there. Um, I, I'm not against it. I agree that, I mean, I, I wrote to my representatives. I shared on our social media pages what I wrote to my representatives, asking them to please do some work on gun violence. I am worried if this is where our process is today. What What are your concerns? Okay. So the fact that we have effectively shut down the House of Representatives from operating right now seems to me to be counterproductive. These representatives are insisting on a vote for a bill that they know will not pass. That to me seems to not be a constructive way to bring the other side to the table to actually pass something. I fully understand the obstinance of the Republican Party on gun issues. And listen, I think that this is being handled badly from the Republicans. So I love Paul Ryan. He is not handling this well from a substance or PR kind of aspect, right? Like the thing, a Republican needs to walk into that chamber with some paper and sit down on the floor with these people and say, what could we get past? Let's do it. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about it. Let's negotiate. Let's deal. Let's do it. What can we get through? All that said, I don't, I, this feels to me like taking sort of the social media mentality that represents kind of the the least productive aspects of what we are now as a culture and inserting it into our legislative process. Think about the fact that we're talking about civil disobedience of the people who make our laws. That's extraordinary. I mean, this is a big deal. How is this going to happen every time the minority party is unhappy with sort of the schedule and the, the action? And I understand that that's not the intention. It's never the intention. The, and the thing that I keep thinking about, this is how I feel about executive action, right? We've talked about this before. You can love the substance of the executive action from President Obama. And if you do, you need to pause and think of the phrase President Trump and make sure that you're still comfortable with it happening through executive action. And when I look at this situation, even though I'm with them on the substance of this, I think to myself, what if we had a Democratic majority And what if we had just had a highly publicized um, instance of a father coming forward and saying, my wife just aborted our our baby in the eighth month of her pregnancy without me knowing it. And so now you're going to have public opinion on his side, right? Because even though most of us are pro-choice now, We aren't comfortable with late-term abortion. And so what if in response to the media firestorm that that would set off, you had a minority of Republican lawmakers sitting in the House floor demanding action on anti-abortion legislation? If you are comfortable with that, then be comfortable with the sit-in. If you are not, then I think we all have to be concerned about whether this is the way we want our government to function. And I say that again, being 100% on board that we need action on gun violence. So I'm just, I'm struggling with this because I get the need to do something extraordinary in an extraordinary circumstance, but I also don't know where those lines end. Does that make sense? Am I just being like a wet blanket here? Well, I mean, I think the first thing is, I don't think they're shutting anything down because I think it was already shut down. Do we think Congress is doing a good job? Any job at all? Because I don't. I'll just be honest. Um, we are so polarized at this point. I mean, well, I mean, I guess they did do that transportation bill. I was so excited. But, man, that's all I can cling to. And that ain't much. And so I think that there is frustration with the polarization generally. But I think the reason that analogy doesn't hold is because I really think you're hard-pressed to find a 
liberal equivalent to the rigidness of the conservative position on gun control. I just don't, I think it's difficult to find. I think it's difficult to find a position in which Democrats say, we will not entertain any legislation on this. We will, we want no research on this. We want no even votes on this issue. I mean, I just, I think that's hard to find. I really do. Because, I mean, and I think that's what people are reacting to. And I think that's why, you know, there's all these articles on Vox and Slate and sort of even traditionally liberal things that are like, what are they doing? Who cares? They're being so passionate about something that's not going to make a difference. But, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine who's pro-gun control, or I'm sorry, anti-gun control. And I said, look, I listened to the Freakonomics that one of our list. there's a Freakonomics episode on gun control that one of our listeners recommended. And it's really good. And I love both Stevens, if they told me to, you know, like, good treatment for, you live a long life if you jump off a building, according to our data. I jump off a building. That's how much I trust these guys. And so when Stephen Levitt says, nothing will help gun violence, I believe him, Okay. So I say that as a person who understands the data and the difficulty of gun control. Truly, I do. However, I also say this as a person who doesn't want to live in a society that watches the slaughter of innocent children and innocent people and says, there's nothing we can do. It won't help. So, you know, even it won't pass. You know, like, I, I also believe in the importance of symbolic gestures. That's why I like civil disobedience. And so... When our, when our government, even, even if it feels cynical to stand up and say, we're going to vote on this. Now, it's not going to pass, but at least we're trying. Um, or it's going to pass and it won't do much, but at least we did something. Like, that's, I think that's important, too. And I think for, for somebody who's been on the other side of gun control for so long, it just it feels rather unique to me. It feels like the, they will not budge. We will not vote on gun control. We will not entertain gun control. And I just think like that we can't, it, something has to happen because that's not, that's not a democratic position to take. It just isn't. And I don't, and so I'm sort of like, I don't really know what other choice they had because this has been decades of people saying, please, anything, we have to do something about gun control. And it just, they roll it back. They roll it back. They refuse to vote on anything that pushes it forward. And so I, 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 that's, I guess that's just my concern is I don't think – I think there are big, broad concerns about our democracy and our presidential system. And I listen to these policy wonks say, like, we're getting too par- polarized. It can't stand up under this pressure. You know, this is how we end up with Donald Trump. And I hear all that, and I'm concerned about that too. But I don't know what other choice they had because nothing has happened for years on this issue. I, I don't have any fight with any of what you just said. I just believe that our protection in the long term is in our process because we could passionately say we, you know, we haven't imagined an issue that could be like this in the future, but it could be right. And so I just look at this and think this does this not set us even even more back in in sort of the cause that you and I care so much about in terms of like, let's work together and do things. Let's have a conversation. Let's be there. There is nothing at play here other than reinforcing all of the things that you just said about Republicans and guns. And look, they made their bed. And I don't even blame the NRA because I think that takes away the accountability that the legislators who who bend to that will ought to have, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't give anybody a pass when they say, well, this powerful lobbying arm wants me to do this. Well, you are the person who was elected, you know, and you have to take the, you know, so I don't, I don't have any, um, I don't have anything kind to say right now about the Republican obstinance on this issue. I was so frustrated to see that only Mark Kirk and Kelly Ayotte crossed the aisle on the four measures that were introduced on Monday in the Senate. I think that's pathetic. So I'm with you. I'm just worried. I'm worried about what this says about where we are and our ability to get things done. And I'm worried about a a generation of people now who are are kind of adopting the mentality, one, of if I really care about something, the thing I have to do is make a bunch of noise on social media about it. And two, 
that the most important thing is that I feel this is right and it, it makes me feel like something's happening when I, you know, I, I want something to actually happen. Even understanding all the difficulty, as you said, with, with gun violence, I got, I got into a, a little bit of an exchange. It wasn't disrespectful at all with one of my relatives who totally disagrees with me about gun control. And I understand where he's coming from. And we had a good comment from one of our listeners on Twitter about, and I think this is a person who is, who is, you know, very sympathetic to the Democratic position on this. I'm, I might be wrong, but I think so. Asking us, does the terror watch list, you know, not involve some racism? And are we creating mm-hmm. one problem by solving another? Yes, these are really hard issues. And that's why sitting in the floor and being on Periscope, I understand the gesture. I respect it. I also think there was a lot of strategy in who they positioned in this and why. And, and you know, hats off to them. That's become part of our process. But I don't think this should be our process. And that's all. I just watch it and I am worried. Well, and because I do, I guess to me, it feels like if from my side, it feels like the process finally is moving forward. I guess that's why it appeals to me. But it's It's dirty. And I mean, but it feels like at least we're not all just sitting around going, well, we're never going to get past the NRA. At least we're trying. We're literally all sitting around. (laughs) So we're never going to get past the NRA. Fair enough. (laughs) But at least to me, I guess it just feels like I said, like sort of back to my point. Awareness works. Awareness is part of the process. And even if this, you know, to me, it feels like we're, you know, they're pushing an extreme position to say, you have an extreme position. Like, at least it's a back and forth in some way, as opposed to just everybody sitting in their offices going, I don't know. You know, like, at least it's... What they're doing, though, and I mean, and again, I'm not trying to be defensive of the Republican side here at all. Not at all. But what they're doing is saying to the world, this is how stupid and bad and uncaring the Republican Party is. And and that makes everybody feel good. I mean, I'm watching all the people, you know, and, and lots and lots of people who I love and respect, both as humans and as people who have very informed, considered opinions about these things. Everybody feels good. But what is this do for us other than harden the divide between the two sides on an issue where we desperately need those two sides to come together. Yeah. I, I don't I mean, know. I guess to me, it's like, it feels like there's a truck stuck in the mud and they're like, okay, we have to do something to just get it up on dry ground. Who knows if the truck will start? I mean, I not, but at least we have to do something to say like, I, that's what it feels. It feels like we want a vote. We're not saying you have to vote in our favor. But can we just get a vote? Can we just start talking about, like, can we have votes on gun control? And then maybe we can start talking about, can we convince people to vote with us? But we can't even get to the point of talking about a compromise if you won't even allow a vote. Yeah, and this feels to me like just uh, putting a scarlet letter on the mud. And and, and it deserves it, okay? Like, it deserves it. <laughs> but but that doesn't help us. And, and that's and, – and honestly, zooming out even more – I think this is the type of action that invigorates, you know, the, the pro-gun side of things. The people who say, see, they, re- they care so much about this. They really are coming from my guns, right? Like, we were in this place with Chris Murphy, I felt, of really saying to people, look, we get the tension, we get the balance. And senators were working on the process of how, how do we balance the concerns that the terror watch list uh, doesn't afford people due process? How do we deal with all these difficult competing rights that takes more time than we want as a public, but they're having the discussions? This type of action, though, I think takes us back into our different corners. And I get that that feels good to the people in one corner, but it also stokes the fire of the people in the other corner. And then zooming out from there, I think like, is, is this, is this plus the four, four on immigration plus a number of other things that are coming up? Does this all sort of help Donald Trump in a way that is like really sickening to think about? I don't, I don't know. I mean, we've got I just, I just want to have perspective on all these issues. Well, as I don't they think happen. it does. The reason, I, what I would say is that it has it stoked some fires, but it's also energizing the 
pro-gun control people in a way I really haven't seen in my lifetime. And so maybe the answer in the Democratic positive spin of this is this has been an imbalanced discussion with one one side way more passionate than the other. And maybe we'll finally get some compromise because there's passion on the other side for the first time that I've really seen. Like really, I'm looking at this picture of outside the Capitol and hundreds of people standing in solidarity with the Democrats that were sitting in. And so maybe that's the issue is maybe it's just a meeting of passion so that, you know, at least it's not a one-sided conversation with no movement at all. Um, but I think that, I don't think it energizes Donald Trump. I don't really think it matters at this point because the other news that came out this week is that dude is broke as a joke. Um, and unorganized. So I don't, I don't think that the people who feel threatened by this sit-in, the people who run, you know, I had my friend who's pro gun control say, you know, every time Barack Obama cries, they run to the gun, they run to the gun store. And I thought, it's so difficult for me to wrap my mind around that type of thinking. And I'm not sure with an ocean full of nuance that there is a way out of that type of thinking. And I'm not saying I just, who cares, write them off. I'm just saying like, I don't really know what to do with that. I don't really know if there is something to do with that. People who feel, who are feel so threatened and fearful and us versus them that they support Donald Trump. Are they, would they ever, ever going to vote for Hillary Clinton? No. So, you know, I just, it's not that I don't, I guess I I, I don't don't want to come off as uncaring, but like, what are we supposed, I don't know what to do about that. I don't think there's anything I can do about that. So we were tagged in the comments by one of our listeners of a Huffington post article where it was an opinion piece and and the person was saying look just start being honest about the fact that you care more about your guns than other people's lives that's what you should say now i don't i don't think that's true or helpful i hope you guys don't mind to time travel back with me about a year i was in the process of resigning myself to the idea that part of middle age for me might mean that my hair was going to slowly turn to straw and fall out of my head Drama aside, we all know that your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. I have tried other custom beauty products and just found that they kind of make my hair worse. But ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair, yes, but beyond that too. I feel like I don't have to blow dry my hair anymore in order for it to look good because it's stronger, fuller, softer, and just looks nicer. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. My custom shampoo and conditioner, for example, were formulated to improve the smoothness and volume of my hair. And I really see, after months of using my custom formula and tweaking it with the review and refine tool for this season, that I have nice looking hair all year long. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash pantsuit. So go get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash pantsuit. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash pantsuit. want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable traditionally the advice would be pick one but thanks to third love you can have both third love was started to take all the frustration out of bra shopping that's why they make solutions for every bra problem aka bra plum their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school get smoothing you know where and have straps that actually stay put Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. 
That's code PODCAST15. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So I also don't think it's true or helpful to say that people who are passionately pro-gun are all going to be Donald Trump supporters. That That's I, I don't think that's true. This, we do. We are dealing with a big deal issue here. We are dealing with one of very few issues that is specifically called out in our Constitution, and we have to respect that piece of it. That I and you know me. I don't care about guns at all. I don't want one in my house. I mean, I am not. I am not that person, but I do respect it. And I'll tell you that as I read things like. Republicans just go ahead and admit it that you care more about guns than other humans. I find myself even starting to get defensive of the pro-gun side of this argument because I think, no, no, we have just completely lost. You're right. It has been imbalanced. And I do think the invigoration of the LGBT community on this issue will start to bring some balance to the NRA Mm -hmm. side because that is a powerful, organized activist, roll up your sleeves and do it movement as well. And I completely respect that. We, I I just want to be sure that we're really thinking and not just feeling that's, that's all. And I'm, I'm struggling with that. Well, and I think where I've come down personally is because I've listened to so many people. I really, really trust and respect who say we have too many guns. We have a culture, we have a gun culture in America. And so I'm sort of in the Barack Obama camp of we're going to have to just start moving the boat 10 degrees so that in 50 years or 100 years, we're on a different continent. We are not going to do anything big enough to put a dent, a real numerical dent in our gun violence statistics. I accept that as somebody who cares deeply about this issue. However, what we can do is start to change the culture. And that is dirty, complicated nuanced work and it involves a lot of emotion and it involves a lot of discussion of okay and this is I think where we've reached the point and this is what I sense coming all right you're right we can't do anything because of the second amendment so what kind of second amendment do we want in the United States of America in the next 100 500 years what does that mean are we okay with this because I'm going to tell you I'm not I'm not okay with this and if this is what the Second Amendment means, then I want to have a conversation about the Second Amendment. And I think that's where we are. And I think this passion and this push and this, I mean, we're not just talking about the terrorist watch list. And let's all admit that. Let's talk, let's really, you know, Michael Moore did a good job of this in Bowling for Columbine a year, a long time ago. You know, he put it out there and he was like, no, we really need to talk about what this is about. You know, we need to have a conversation about what our gun culture is and if we want it to remain the same. And I do not think you are a bad person or that you have a disrespect for life um, if you want it to stay the same. But please know, I do not. And I'm not going to talk, we're not going to, I'm done talking past people about you don't understand what an AR-15 and acting like um, the terrorist watch list is going to make a big difference in gun violence in this country. You know, like I'm the the the, minu- the minutia of these small gun control changes. I'm sort of done with, but I think pushing those through and taught and getting those bit by bit is really not about the statistical impact, but about the conversation we're having about gun culture in this country. And I think that's the movement, and that's the future, and it's going to be hard and it's going to be messy. But the days of us all deciding that the Second Amendment is written in stone and that every American in this country has an absolute right to any and all guns that they want, for me, is over. I'm not going to tiptoe it around, tiptoe around it like I did, like we all did in the 90s. And, oh, don't poke the giant. Don't touch, you know, don't touch this third rail of the Second Amendment. Like, I'm done. Let's, okay. If this is what it's about, then I want to have a real conversation about 
what we really need when it comes to gun control and gun culture in this country. And I'm not all or nothing. I'm not saying like repeal it, but we need to have a real conversation about this because we've all been dancing around each other or refusing to dance at all. And that hasn't gotten us anywhere. Yeah. The only, the only thing I would say is that someone who completely disagrees with everything that you just said is as entitled to that opinion as you are to yours. Right. And I just want to be sure that throughout the process, we are hearing the middle. Oh, yeah. I mean, finding absolutely. The I mean, that's why, you know, what I shared on our social media pages is, is that I'm becoming a single issue voter and that I want to see compromise. That's my single issue now. And if I can't find one example where you crossed the aisle to vote for something, I'm not voting for you anymore. I'm not sending you a check. I'm not, I'm not, I want you co-sponsoring legislation with someone from the other party. I'm done with the partisanship because that isn't what our country is supposed to be. We talk all the time on our show about how we need both positions and we need the extremes of both positions for sure. But right now the extremes of both positions are the only voices getting through. You know why the tea party became a thing? It wasn't because of social media. It's because those people showed up at the local level, right? Those people show up for every meeting and they're the only people who show up. And I think that that is where we are on gun violence. If you are like me, a person who respects that we have a constitutional grant of liberty around weapons, but also believes that that doesn't mean that we can all own all the weapons that we want mm-hmm. forever without anyone questioning it, we are the people who need to step up here and, yep. and broker this conversation. Well, and what I mean by that is, like, I am one of those people. But I think what happened in the conversation, it was like, how I feel as a sort of a pro-gun control person was it became like, you know, like, don't poke the bear. No, we're just, we're just going to, we're just going to pick apart our little tiny piece of the puzzle over here and just beg for these tiny changes and pretend like it'll make a difference. Yeah, you know? that's, and how, like, that's how the Republicans have felt forever about Social Security, right? mm I mean, that that's a really different kind of example, but that is another issue that it's just been like sacred. You can't do anything about social security. Well, it's the original third rail. Exactly. And so we we shouldn't have those. That's our point, right? We shouldn't have those. Yeah. And so I just think that instead of like pretending like we're not talking about something big, okay, let's just talk about the big thing. Let's just talk about what we really want the Second Amendment to stand for because we've kind of thought through everything else in the Constitution and decided like, hey, they messed that up. Let's change that. Or hey, this mean, we, we live in a different world now. Let's talk this through. You know, and so instead of like, I really do think the gun control lobby, these pe- people like me who feel passionately about gun control, stop, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. And I'm not saying don't try to pass those things because I think that's pushing the conversation forward. And the truth is it might not make a a difference in overall gun violence statistics. But if we pass a you know some legislation that gets at mass shooting and prevents a mass shooting we don't ever know about, I'm fine with that. So even if it takes it down by 20 and that doesn't seem statistically important, it'd be important to me if my first grader was one of the 20 that were saved that we never know about. And so – I mean, I think that, but we, we just have to be honest with each other about what we're talking about. And I'm just really not sure we've ever done that in the gun control movement. And I think that in the same way, I'm willing to admit, I'm willing to restrict your rights. I think sometimes if you're pro gun, you don't have to say I have a disregard for human life, but you need to be honest about what you're willing to sacrifice to keep your rights. And I'm not saying that makes you a monster. I'm just saying we need to be honest with each other. And if you're saying, it's sort of how I feel about the death penalty. If you want to support executing the worst of the worst and admit that we execute innocent people in the process, that's fine. I don't think that makes you a bad person, but I want you to be honest about it. I want you to be honest about the calculus involved and what that means in reality. And I just think that doesn't happen either. Yeah, we have to do that on every issue. Yeah, we have to be honest about what we value, why we value it, and and the fact that us valuing it personally doesn't mean that someone else's valuing of something else is wrong. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, that's what I think with this due process situation. Don't lie if you're liberal and say this you don't have due process concerns and that we all haven't been bitching about the no fly list for decades. Right. Because we have. And I do have concerns about that. And the and the and the people who are disproportionately impacted by those due process concerns are historically disadvantaged populations. Mm-hmm. And and so 
it is right to struggle through those issues. I understand everybody wants something passed quickly. It's right to take our time and get this right, you know? And, and what you know, and when I said to somebody who asked me about this who was progressive, I said, "Look, to me, it's just a it's just a trade-off. And I'm willing, you know, I'm not talking about putting people in prison. I'm talking about either delaying their right to own a gun or prohibiting their right to own a gun. And you know what? I'm okay with that for now because I don't, to me personally, under my value system, that's something that's worth worth being sacrificed if we're talking about keeping the guns out of self-radicalized terrorists. So I'm going to make that trade off and we can work it out. You know, like that's worth it for me. If it's not worth it for you, that's fine. But let's all be honest about it. Well, we could talk about this for hours, and this is illustrative of why we need a cable news program ourselves, I think, Sarah. Universe. Anybody? Universe. Um, yes. So um, we will we will stop here. I know that we'll continue to talk with people online. We really value hearing from you. I, I really would like to talk through, especially with people who listen to us who are passionate about the Second Amendment and those rights, kind of where are you on this issue these days, and what would be something that could pass? I mean, I'd love to be in a position to just, like, draft up some legislation and start shooting it to people and saying like, we, you know what? We're willing to help you because this is hard, but we, but we do need something to happen. So thank you for listening to us as always. Thank you for being part of our community. We really appreciate your iTunes reviews. Those are super helpful. We've kind of made our way back into the top 150 to stay there. We need new reviews and not just ratings where you click the stars, but where you actually write something. And we know that's a pain. And so we, we love you forever when you do that. Thank you. And And thank you to Patsy for her generous donation. Can't remember. Forget that. Yes. Everyone who supports the show is so helpful to us. We don't know much about what happened today, but we know that there was a mass shooting in a movie theater in Germany. So we want to close out um, sending, I I hate to to use the expression, but genuine, you know, thoughts and prayers to the people of Germany as they uh, start to understand what happened and who all was affected by it. Um, Until we talk with you again on Tuesday, keep it nuanced, y'all. 